Alright, so now you can turn, take your Bibles and turn to Matthew 17. We'll continue our series in Matthew. And I hope I'm not going to break anything. But we'll go. Um, so if you break, not break anything, but if you go to Matthew 17, uh, it's been this, um, it's been this uh, last two, three weeks where we've seen uh, the mission of Jesus being coming to not changing, but it's turning towards Jerusalem. It's going to talk about. He's talking more about his death. We have uh, two weeks ago saw how he got transfigured. They saw his glory. Peter, James, and John. <laughs> Peter. <laughs> Peter, James, and John. <laughs> not Peter. Uh, saw his glory on the mountain, and. Uh, and so, so uh, we're going to read how they're on their way down the mountain today. And there's going to be this great contrast between um, this great encouragement on the mountain and then coming down into the valley where people are full of doubt and disbelief. And I was just thinking about I was thinking about Matthew and how he writes things and we're going to see this one thing that's only in Matthew and funny enough it's about taxes um, Matthew was a tax collector so it's interesting it's about taxes uh, but Matthew also seems to be focusing a lot on faith or lack of faith he kind of emphasizes that a lot. other gospels would add something uh, would add some other words here uh, even in the interaction with the uh, with the with the father, we're gonna hear about there will be something about something different, and also with what what's the reason why the disciples can't cast out the demon. But Matthew confronts us, I do believe, in the very first line of his gospel: "Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ?" And he continues that throughout the whole whole gospel. And today we will be confronted with this. Are we the people who have very little faith or no faith? Or are we the people who have faith that can move mountains? So let's read together from 1714. And when they came to the crowd, a man came up kneeling before him. And he said, Lord, have mercy on my son. For he has seizures and he suffers terribly. Often he falls into the fire and often into water. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation." How long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and he came out of him. And the boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, Because of your little faith. But truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to here, 
and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. As they were gathering in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and he will be raised on the third day. And they were greatly distressed. When they came to Capernaum, the tax, the collectors of the two drachma tax went up to Peter and said, Does your teacher not pay the tax? Uh, and he said, Yes. And who came into the house, Jesus spoke to him first, saying, What do you think, Simon? From who do kings on earth take toll and tax? From their sons and from others? And when he said, From others, Jesus said to him, Then the sons are free? However, to give offense to, to to not give offense to them, go to the sea and cast a hook and take the first fish that he comes up. And when you open the mouth, you will find a shekel. Take that and give it to them for me and yourself. Now we, uh, we, we uh, finally got to read the Bible together yesterday uh, as a family. And, um, and there was a... <laughs> We came to a terrible situation in the Bible and the kids are like, uh, uh, uh. and I tried to explain to them, uh, we're not supposed to do everything the Bible says, uh, especially the bad things. You're not supposed to do those. I will not suggest that this is a normative claim that if you uh, back on your taxes that you go fishing for money. I do think it's a specific for this situation. So just uh, just if you if that was going to be your your defense to the tax attorneys here, I don't think that is is, is what's going on here. But what is going on? Yeah, like I said, they're coming down the mountain. They're coming down They've just seen Jesus in his glory. He's been so encouraged. Um, but now we're going to see what the other disciples were doing. And we have to remember that when Jesus sent out his disciples, they had ability to heal and they had the ability to cast out demons. So they would actually be able to do this and have done it many times. So when the confusion of the disciples are like, why can't we do this? It's real because they've been able to do this before. But yeah, just like I said, what a contrast from glory to a bunch of people who don't believe. It's interesting to see Jesus as human here. And we see, we see, and we've seen him. We've seen him say this before, when he says, "Oh, you faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you?" It doesn't seem like Jesus is extremely enjoying himself at this point in time. It seems that he is frustrated at their unbelief. It seems that like, ah oh man, how long? I know now I'm on the way there across, the time is shorter than it was before, but how long am I supposed to be here? And you continue not to believe. 
and I'm supposed to bear you. Most of the time we don't focus on that side of who Jesus is, that at some point he can get enough and get frustrated. He's annoyed at people because they want other things than God. They disbelieve and they don't, they don't believe in the power of God to do things. And then when they have problems, they do come to God, but they don't have the faith that God will help them overcome them. And then Jesus in this case will say, it's not just you, it's also my disciples. interesting thing about we learn about God although Jesus is frustrated seems to be annoyed he still shows hope and kindness because what does he do he doesn't say go home I don't want to help you We see the kindness and goodness of God as he says, bring him here to me. Jesus takes a moment and he rebukes the demon. And the boy's well. We've seen Jesus do this many times. We've also seen him give authority to the disciples to do this. He's showing that Jesus, he has faith and he has power. Like when he calmed the storm. Like when he's healed the other people, he shows he has this power over nature, over demons, over Satan. Like we had the discussion earlier where they say that Jesus was influenced by a demon. And Jesus says, no, I'm not. But I'm stronger than Satan. I can take whatever I want from Satan. Jesus shows that he is God. He has power to deliver. Now his disciples at this moment are slightly puzzled. They're like, why is it that we cannot do this? We've been able to do this before. And so they're not very sure, so they wait. They don't ask in public, which is probably smart. So they wait until they're with Jesus in private. And they ask, Jesus, why is it that we could not heal the boy? And Jesus, like he's been in all Matthew, it's not like he wraps it up and hides it and like, you know, like, yeah, it's because you didn't sleep well and just like, no, Jesus, you don't have enough faith. Your faith is so small. That's why you can't do it. So he's just very direct and just say, because you have very little faith. At that point, I would have been, <laughs> I mean, I probably wouldn't, but I was thinking what, <laughs> what maybe I would have been think, saying is like, Okay, Jesus, we've done this a bunch of times. Like, you've given us this power. You've sent us out to do these things. Like, we've been healing people. We've been casting out demons. And now we can't. Now you say, well, live faith. Maybe it's because... Maybe it's because it wasn't really their power anyway. Because when they send out, Jesus gives them this power. It wasn't theirs. 
it wasn't the disciples' power. It was Jesus' power working through them. So what is it that, that Matthew and Jesus is trying to tell us with this passage when they're so going so hard after? Why is your faith so small? And we just came from the mountain experience where there was so great faith, there was so much encouragement, there was so the glory of Jesus. And it was too much, they were on the ground. Now they are also on the ground, on the ground, they're in the valley, but now they're being challenged by Jesus that their faith is too small. But what does he say? Because of your little faith, but he doesn't stop there. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to here, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. So, Jesus is saying, like, your faith is so small. So apparently our faith is smaller than our mustard seed. So, because he says, if you just have faith like a mustard seed, this is what you'll be able to do. Jesus is saying that a very little faith we can do all things God wants us to do. But we can't do anything if our, if our faith is small and gets small and disappears because we become a faithless and tw- twisted generation. So there's two different ways to go. Will, I, will the small faith that Jesus has given me will that ta- over time grow? And set us free like we've been talking about. Like, I don't have to have fear. I don't have to be grumpy all the time. I can find thanksgiving in everything. And I can find peace as I worship God with thanksgiving and pray and give all things to him. Now that's a faith that can move mountains. A faith that has no, no fear, but always is thankful. Now that's big mountains that moves But if we choose to build our own kingdoms, then we'll be like a faithless and and wicked generation. But a simple small faith, acted out in obedience day by day, as the Lord leads, will do many great works that can move even in mountains. That's the power of God that can work in us by Jesus' work as we've been guided by the Holy Spirit. I didn't say this during the testimony time, but I, maybe I can just fit it in here. Um, I was standing at the piano. I wasn't playing piano, but I was just calling numbers for the food bank. And I felt, oh, I felt I should pray for Tatiana because she was in pain. And I was like, well... Oh. But it kept coming back, kept coming back, kept coming back. Okay. She doesn't understand me. <laughs> so what am I going to do? Well, I guess I can just pray for her. But in the Lord's timing, then Lupa came. Right when Tatiana was going to go in, I started praying for her. Lupa was translating. So that was good. I did what I felt the Lord asked me to do. Right after, an unbeliever comes to me and says, Hey, can you, please pray, can you please pray for my back? After, he, after I prayed for him, another person came. What are you doing? 
Now, this is not because I have great faith. This is not because I have any more faith than you guys. But it is small faith in obedience that leads the Lord to do many great things. Because what happened there is more than moving mountains. Hearts were moved in some way. So, as we're just using the small things that the Lord has given to us, He can do amazing things. And we will also see that in the disciples' lives. They will get, they will get this faith. It's not there yet, but they will get their faith. And as they are empowered by the Holy Spirit, they will live lives where they turn the world upside down. They will not get rich and have airplanes and stuff. James dies first. Peter lives it out to the end. But their lives were testimonies of how God changes people. How great faith that starts out so small but with obedience can change the world. One heart at a time. And I also think it's this when we come to these passages of warning for the believers and for the unbelievers is it to condemn us or is it to draw us in I believe it's always to draw us in when you are asked you have little faith Jesus help me I have little faith I want to have more So it's not like he's not trying to kick us away. He's trying to draw us into him. He said, don't be led astray. Don't be led astray by the things that lead you away from me. But instead come closer. And remembering that we don't even hold our faith on our own. Faith is a gift that God gives us. And without Jesus, there's nothing to hold it. And it can't be activated with no power from the Holy Spirit. So it's a gift from the Trinitarian God that we have faith. Now will we cultivate it with things that, that fan the flame of this faith? Or will we put water on it and extinguish it, shut it off? That's where we have to look at our lives and say, well, what do I do to fan this flame? Or does the world and what I do actually extinguish the faith and I think you know that you know what in your life helps you in your faith and you know what's not good for your faith and if you don't (laughs) then there's a trail to follow to find idols and to find things it is time money worth and what we value if you go to those four things or more, or what is the status, different things, there's many, there's more things. If you go, if you follow those paths and Jesus is not at the end, then you find a different God. And that God will do everything he can to, 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 to extinguish this fire of your faith. 
So what are we, what are we, what do we have in our lives where we're encouraging this growth of our faith? One of our prayers could be something like, Lord, help me by the Holy Spirit to open up my eyes to see Jesus, to remind that he will daily remind me of his teaching. And we will see a clearer, the clearest picture of God of who you are. Then it could be something like, Lord, let me hear and listen to you in the morning, in the midday, in the evening. Let me, let me know I need you every hour for your words, for your plan, for your joy, for, for, for me to see this thanksgiving that you can help me get, have this peace, this no fear. Because many things in our lives can cause, and we talked about it, can cause doubt, fear, anger, and frustration. But what leads us to closer to Jesus instead of further away from faith and trust in him. Now Jesus' promise is really great. It's a very great promise. It says that you will be able to move mountains with a very small faith. And like I said, they did figured truly speaking because there's not really much worth in us moving mountains or walking on water a call is to move so people's hearts are moved to see who Jesus is and that's what happened with the disciples by the power of the Holy Spirit so what about you what about us <laughs> will we rather <laughs> actually walk on water or move mountains or will we will <laughs> Will we live lives where we are in people's lives and God has a chance through us to reach their hearts and make impossible things possible? The disciples did. What about us? What about you? The disciples are not there yet like I talked about <laughs> because, because Jesus is going to, in the next section, <laughs> talk about his death again. And they don't respond very well to Jesus saying he's going to die. And uh, we got to give them uh, all the grace and the cr uh, because what would we have done in the same situation? So as they were gathering in Galilee, Jesus said to them, the Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him and on the third day he'll be raised from the dead and they were greatly distressed so they really hear the first part Jesus says again they really hear that that he's going to be delivered now maybe this delivered means somebody's going to betray him and he's going to get killed they're extremely distressed they're sad they're filled with sorrow so much they don't hear the second part just like the first time. They're not filled with hope that Jesus will conquer Satan's end death 
and rise again. They don't know that. They can't hear it. They're overcome by fear, doubt. At this moment in time, the disciples are not moving any mountains. They're overcome by the fear that Jesus is going to die. So much they don't even hear the great hope that he will raise from death in victory. But what about you? Have you heard mostly that Jesus is dead? Because he's not dead. He's alive. He raises from the dead. He does die, but he raises from the dead. We don't worship no living, no uh, dead, dead God. No, he raises from the dead. Conquering sin and Satan and death, and then he raises to his Father, and he's coming back. That's where great hope comes from. That's what we're looking for. That's where the faith lies in. Not that we're just like, oh, just, I'm hoping on something. No, we're hoping that Jesus conquered Satan and sin and death, and that's why we are not. We don't have to be afraid. Because to be absent of the body is to be present with the Lord. What can anyone do to me if God is for me, like the song said? If the, if the, if the great promises of Jesus, we will be with Jesus. Why should we fear? Now, right now, in your mind, you get 500 reasons why you should fear. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe you're just overcome by, yeah, I'm going to be with Jesus. Praise the Lord. If you are filled with 500 reasons why you should fear, those are some of the reasons you need to come to Jesus with. And be like, Jesus, I fear all these things. Can you please help me? I would actually like to not fear, but live freely for you. On the encouraging note there, for us, we know what's going to happen. So this is what, or if you know the story, you know what's going to happen. Th- that Jesus does raise, and Jesus says it. He will, I'll raise on the third day. But right now, that, that give, it doesn't comfort his disciples, but it's good to comfort us, because that's where all the faith comes from. Instead, they're extremely sad and feel sorry and distress. They don't understand what's going to happen. But what about you? Are you excited that Jesus conquered Satan's sin and death and that he rose again, that he didn't stay dead on the cross, he died for our sin, we, we celebrated in communion, that his body was broken, his blood was shed, but he had no sin, so he rose again and set us free and reconciled us to God. That is where hope and faith lies in that work of Jesus and his sinless life. Does that excite you? Does that fan into flame that small faith you have to be excited, to be like, yes, that's why I don't need to fear. That's why I can be thankful always. That is why my, I put my hope and faith and trust because this is my God who overcomes death. He's in, he has victory over death, sin, and Satan. There's nothing that can, can stay him. He is the Lord, Almighty God, and he cannot be stopped.
now you've, I've just shared the good news of the gospel with you. I just shared the word of God with you. Did that create faith in you? Did it create hope in you? Did the Holy Spirit touch you and say, yes, this is true, give your life to Jesus? Then it's, there's no easy way. We talked about it. Jesus says, you got to deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him. You got to stop living for yourself and say, hey, Lord, I have sinned against you. I have built my own kingdom. I have wanted all these things for myself. But I believe that your son died so I, these things can be taken away. And then you lay that in front of God and says, I want to follow. And then you can. The promise is that, like Peter says, and later he will give the, he will give the first sermon where 5,000 people get to know Jesus, give their lives to Jesus, receive the Holy Spirit, and get baptized. He says, you, this is a gift of God, that if you repent and fall and come, you will have God come live in you, regenerate you to new life. That's the offer that Jesus brings. The disciples are still struggling to understand this. But for us, we can, I can give you that great hope. I can also challenge us that when we fall into the same category as the disciples, when we do have the cross, then why do we do that? And could we instead encourage each other towards faith in him, the one who is victory? And then a story about tax problems. Seems slightly odd after I give this, <laughs> this whole thing. But uh, what is actually very interesting is, is it's, a, it's, a, it's a story about Peter who speaks again on Jesus' behalf without asking Jesus. But then it also shows an extreme amount of faith that, Jesus ha- that Peter has in Jesus. Because what Jesus asks is highly improbable. So let's just, uh, just just recap the story. Uh, Peter is outside. Some tax collectors come, and they say to Peter, "Like, is Jesus paying the temple tax?" Or oh, well, I think we have a slide on that. Or oh, oh, this is where we are, around there and then there. Um, so th- that's like I said. My, Matthew is the only one who has this story. Maybe it's because he's a tax collector. He talks about different coins. I actually have pictures of the coins also. I think. There. Those are some of the coins. It's probably too small for you to read, but there we go. So, in short, what all this says is that this this tax is a an variation of a tax that's put on the people of Israel in Exodus that they should give about two day two days wages once a year to the upkeep of the tabernacle. Now, this is changes over time and all sorts of things, but this is kind of what it is. So that's kind of where we come into the story. So these tax collectors come up and say to, Je- say to Peter, not to Jesus, but to Peter, does your, <laughs> does your Lord, uh, does, um, does your teacher pay the tax? Jesus, uh, Peter just said yes. <laughs> Without asking Jesus, Jesus says yes. And then uh, this interesting uh, thing happens. Peter comes into the house and Jesus starts speaking about this thing when he wasn't there. <laughs> so it shows how Jesus knows what's happening while he's not there. 
as so Peter's outside having a conversation, Jesus, he comes in to Jesus, and Jesus says, okay, Peter, so what do you think? You just said I paid the taxes. Like, who paid taxes? Uh, then, then, d- like, who do the kings of the uh, earth take toll of taxes? Is it from their sons or from others? Then Peter says, uh, others. Then Jesus says, I don't have to pay taxes. Let's rebel against the system. No, he doesn't say that. But of course, Jesus doesn't have to pay taxes to the upkeep of the, of the temple that is to worship him. Like, he doesn't. But he doesn't start a riot, and he doesn't start uh, saying, we don't have to pay taxes because we are sons of the Lord, or I am the Son of God. I am God. I don't have to pay taxes. He doesn't do that. Instead, he says, okay, let's pay this tax. Here is the money. Go pay. No, he doesn't. (laughs) Because he says instead, Peter you are a fisherman go down don't take your net take a fishing stick this is how much I know about fishing take a fishing stick and then the first first fish you catch open the mouth and you'll find the money and then you'll pack sacks so what <laughs> so what Peter does is display an extreme amount of faith if I was told that to go down <laughs> and then catch a fish and then you can pay your taxes I don't know what my attitude would be like if I had to stand there for a couple of hours <laughs> and be like okay Jesus uh, and even Peter like it doesn't. the text doesn't say it took five minutes we don't know how long this took and uh, but he still go he goes and he was like I guess I should have kept my mouth shut but I I don't know if he said that but he goes and he goes and he stands there and fishes until he gets the fish and then he goes and pays the taxes <laughs> maybe he has just <laughs> said to them you have little faith but this is an extreme trust in Jesus that you will go somewhere in the hopes of finding money to pay your taxes from a fish like I said I don't think this is applicable for us all the time I don't think this is normative I think this is a situational there's a few things here this is the thing that Jesus claims again to be divine I don't have to be I don't have to pay taxes because it's actually my temple um, and he also says like in principle we, none of us actually have to do but we're not going to start a rebellion about this we're going to not offend other people and there's a principle that goes in Peter and Paul's teachings too Christians freedom is not there to cause trouble Christians are not free on Facebook to blast out whatever they feel like even though they're free they, we are not here to bring offensive opinions or stir up weird things no we are here to be ambassadors of the king and that's how we are to act even if we are free we are not to put our freedom in other people's faces the same with other believers if some people don't do something we don't say you should do it because you can we like Jesus here take a different stance and says our lives are not there to offend other people or to cause others to stumble 
So we can have great freedom, but it's never there for us to hurt other people or potentially make other people fall. I think that's a good principle from this. Jesus does see he's divine, and he does say, hey, it's coming for you guys as well as sons of the king. So what have we learned? What have we learned today? What is it? How is all this sitting with you? Look, Jesus comes, he's frustrated, he says all these things about our small faith, but every time he says something, he brings hope and says, well, if it's just a little bit, it can grow and be big, so it changes. It changes. People can move mountains. We see that they are so scared, the disciples, that Jesus is going to die, but as I explained the gospel, that is what was good news. Not that he died only, but that he died and rose again and is coming back. Jesus has paid our debt. So it's an invitation to come and have faith and trust in Jesus and not run away but do that. And so then we see this little example where we put where this is put into practice with Peter. He speaks <laughs> without asking Jesus. Jesus comes to him and says, Okay, what do we do? I don't have to pay. But let's not give offense to people. And then he gives Peter a task that creates that has where Peter really has to put his faith and trust in what Jesus says. So what about you? Is your faith and hope and trust in Jesus? I pray it is. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this time where we can look into your word. Thank you. God, thank you that you're shaking us up sometimes through the words of Matthew. Like we need to thank you. Thank you for challenging us. Is there any faith? Do we have small faith? Do we have faith? Are we more like a twisted generation or are we seeking seeking to know you all the time, Jesus? Holy Spirit, I pray as as we've heard your words, I pray, help us, Lord. Help us to have this faith, create this faith in us. You're the one that, that can do it. Lord, I really do pray for all of us who already believe that this will be an encouragement today to grow in faith and to be encouraged every day. Maybe we just have such small faith, but let us put it into action and we'll see it grow. Not that we, we are great, but that you are great and you can do all things. I'll ask that you do your work in us, that you would do your work through us. That each of us would know day by day to hear and listen to you so that we can hear the opportunities that you give us of encouragement and faith to encourage the people around us to pray for people to encourage them to encourage them towards faith and Lord thank you that you do that you've done that ever since you rose again and sent the spirit you did turn the world upside down through your disciples. Lord, we ask that you come and do that in and through us, that we will change, that you will change people around us, one heart at a time, 
And we ask that you continue to do that. Give us faith and hope in you. And that you're doing that in and through us. May you get all the glory and praise. Amen. So you may stand up for the benediction. And and as all the time, so don't run away. Today we are going to have a make-it-yourself dinner. So uh, don't run away from that. That will be great, I'm pretty sure. Then you can't complain because <laughs> you got to make it yourself. But All right, so let's receive the benediction from Hebrews. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of his eternal co- covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do as well, working in us which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ who be glory forever and ever. Amen.